If you are a parent in here tonight, you most likely know the thrill of going in for an ultrasound. You get to go in and hear the, the baby's heartbeat. And then for the first time, you get to see the images of that baby on the screen. And, and how exciting that is. And then the tech uh, prints off those grainy black and white pictures for you. And you're looking forward to sharing them with family and friends. And we even framed ours. We put it in a frame, put a Bible passage on it. Um, that thing was very special to us. But now one ultrasound picture kind of replaces the last as your eager anticipation grows for that baby to be born. You can only really imagine what he's going to look like, right? You can, you can make out his general shape, you know, maybe some of the features, maybe, maybe count fingers and toes, but your desire is to actually see him face to face in the flesh. An ultrasound points toward what is coming, right? An ultrasound points toward what is coming. They provide wonderful images, but with all their grainy shadings, we really only can see shadows. Right? The, the object of what we desire, the thing that we're actually looking so forward to seeing, is yet to come. That's coming down the road yet. And um, when, we find, when that baby then is finally born, then we can actually see with our own eyes what before we could really only make guesses at. Well, that's how it is with the Scriptures. We've seen all of these pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. Wonderful images. Each one of them telling us so much about Him yet only shadows of what was to come. Only, only shadows. In the birth of Jesus, in the birth of Jesus, now the anticipation of the Old Testament gave way to the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled every one of those promises about His coming. He fulfilled every single one and shined light for us on who God is and what He looks like. Now when Jesus was born, now we can actually see with our own eyes in flesh and blood what God looks like and what he's like. Over time, we have collected so many false and misleading images of God, haven't we? A bearded grandfather, angry judge, casual buddy, occasional friend. The bottom line is... We are living in a world that's broken, lost in darkness. I mean, think about it. A world where life ends in death, there's something not right with a world where life uh, ends in death. There's, there's something broken about that. There's something not right with that. And so who or what do we look to to fix that? Who or, or what have we looked to to be our gods? I think I can break it down into four main categories of things that we look to to be our gods, of things that we look to to fix the problem that you and I have. And number one is ourselves. We always look to ourselves first, don't we? We have convinced ourselves that improving the way that we live is what is going to solve all that bothers us. 
It's funny when you think about it, isn't it? Because um, we're usually not that good at that. In fact, if, if each of us um, could really think about it here tonight, I bet we would be hard-pressed to think of anyone who has lied to us or disappointed us more than we have, right? And yet we think that we can fix all of our problems. We keep going back to ourselves um, thinking that we can fix our problems. We're funny people that way. Let's see. Um, I'm not doing very well at life. I'm screwing it up. Um, I'm not a very good God, but I think I'm the one that I'm going to go to first. It doesn't seem to really make sense, right? I stink at life. Aren't I a great God? I can't figure out life. Um, But at least... My efforts are going to be better than my efforts are going to be better than uh, listening to some outside source that could actually tell me how. We aren't going to be able to help ourselves. Life without God is is as torn up as that piece of paper. But the thing is, we still on a daily basis think that that we're the ones that can fix that. That we're the ones that can put that uh, back together. Listen to me when I tell you something. You aren't going to be able to put your life back together. You can't fix your life. No matter how much you improve the way that you live, you'll never be good enough for God. So we ourselves make some pretty bad gods. The second thing we look to is other people. We look to others to complete us or to, to satisfy us or, yeah, complete us. Well, that, that's great for romantic movies, isn't it? But that doesn't work in life. I love my wife. She is fantastically awesome. She's my best friend. But she's not my God. And I'm not hers. Finally, Finally, really, in the end, every divorce happens because in the end, there was an expectation for the other person to be something they could never be. Husbands and wives make bad gods. Family members make bad gods. Friends make bad gods. Children make horrible gods. Let's stop looking for other people to do what only God can do. We also look to the world that God made to be our God. God gave us this world to to be a home for us and to provide us with everything we need. Through this world, God provides us food and drink, clothing and shoes, sex and marriage, house and home. But instead of honoring God by, by using these things in such a way that, that thanks Him, we start looking to these things to be our God. Isn't it odd how new stuff just makes us feel like better human beings? You, you get some, um, 
you get, let's say you get some new clothes or you get a new iPad or a new phone or a new computer or whatever and you feel like you are a better person. You just feel a little better about yourself. It has like this drug-like effect on you, doesn't it? You get a new car and you feel like you're a better human being. You aren't. You're the same human being with car payments. A new house makes us feel better about ourselves. It's still the same old you with a mortgage. Stuff has this effect on us. But in the end, in the end, it's all going to be at a garage sale. It's all going to be destroyed in an ice storm. It's all going to end up at the dump. This stuff is not going to fix us. None of it can fix you. So enjoy, enjoy your food and drink. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your, your clothes, your car, your home. But all of it giving thanks to God for providing you with it. But not looking to it as the ultimate source of your satisfaction. Do you see the difference? The fourth thing that we look to as our gods, ironically is religion. We have really um, collected a lot of false and misleading ideas about God. A lot of false pictures about God. By religion, I mean any teaching in this world that says that we have to earn the favor of a deity. So it's, it's thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tilt the scales in my favor a little bit by being a good person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this list of things so I can appease this God, whoever this God is. If I, only do a good, if, if I can do a good enough job obeying these commandments, or at least if I can do a better job than the people around me obeying these commandments, then God is going to be happy with me and all will be well. Well, friends, let me ask. How's it working for you? How are all these pictures of God that you have been carrying around and that you have been hanging on to working. Here's how it's going to play out in the life of a person who has only ever had false and misleading ideas of God and one that is facing death. I'm going to play for you a, a brief clip from the movie Gravity where an astronaut has just learned that she's going to die. Okay, listen carefully. I know we're all going to die. Everybody knows that. But I'm going to die today. Funny that, you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life, so... Nobody ever taught me how. People in this world are living in darkness. 
and, and it ends in death. And we, we have looked to all kinds of things to fix it. We've looked to all kinds of things and filled our life with all kinds of things in this world to give it meaning. We, we have come up with all kinds of ideas of who we want God to be like and what we think He should be like. And we have created all kinds of images that we think God should look like. We have fashioned God in our own image. But in the end, in the end, all those lies and all those false images of God that we have made up aren't going to help, are they? They're not going to do us any good. When we are at our, the end of our rope, when we realize um, this is our last day, all those things that we've created for ourselves, all those external ways, all those um, things that, that we have leaned on to be our God, they're not going to help us a lot. So thank God for God. Because into the midst of all these false images of the one who made us comes Jesus. God made known. God made flesh. Real, alive, flesh and blood. The one who came to demolish every false image of God that has ever been made. Jesus. Born in the flesh. Jesus came here to show us what God is truly like. Verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is God, and He has been there all along. He's called the Word. Jesus is the Word. That means He is to God what your Word is to you. Your Word to you is an expression of, all right, and a communication of who you are to those around you. God wants to communicate to us about himself, and he does that with Jesus. The word is how God communicates and speaks with us. That's how he does it. We cannot know God without Christ, the word. Jesus is God, and yet distinct from God the Father all at the same time. And it was even actually through Him that God created all things. Alright, verses um, 4 and 5. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. We decided we wanted to make our own gods instead of just enjoying the God who has always been, and so we fell into darkness. But Jesus is the one who brings life and light. Jesus is the one who shines light on who God really is. Jesus is the one who can fix everything that was broken. He is the one that frees us from our fear of death and returns us to life. Jesus is the one who comes in this world and brings hope to people who don't know how to pray or who to pray to. Eternal life, life for all eternity, comes through Jesus. He was there all along, all the way through the Old Testament. In so many ways, His light shined in the darkness. But those living in darkness, they didn't see it. They didn't understand. They didn't believe. 
We read verses, we skip down to 10 and 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even his own people gave him the cold shoulder. Now, through the power of God, some have believed. But still, the majority of this world remains in darkness. We didn't know how to save ourselves. We didn't know how to fix what was broken. Like that astronaut, we didn't know how to pray or who to pray to. We didn't know who God was or what he was really like. God had to show us. And finally, he did. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All of that grace and truth in shadowy pictures took on human flesh. In Jesus, God became flesh and blood, human being, to show us what he was really like. Mysteries revealed, right? Let, let, let me just illustrate that you, uh, for you for a second. It takes a lot of work to run an aquarium, okay? If any of you have ever done that, it takes a lot of work to run an aquarium. You have to constantly moder- uh, monitor the oxygen and nitrate levels and the ammonia content. The water has to be filtered. You, you have to, uh, vitamins and antibiotics and sulfa uh, drugs have to be pumped in. The fish constantly have to be fed. You would think, with all that care and attention, that your fish would adore you, Right? But they don't. What do they do when you come near? They dart away in fear, right? You're like a god to those fish. Too big to comprehend. Too frightening to love. The only way you could change that is if you became a fish and communicated the truth to the other fish. God had to become a person to communicate the truth to us. God became a person to communicate to us who he really is and what he was really like, full of grace and truth. Grace, undeserved love. God didn't give us what we deserve. God gave us what we don't deserve, forgiveness. Wave upon wave, grace upon grace of forgiveness undeserved forgiveness the gift that keeps on giving meaning everything is right between us and him we no longer have fear of death grace and truth every promise that was ever made about him came true every promise he has ever made to us will come true we can count on that and this god of grace and truth became a human being out of love for you So when you see Jesus, you see God. We see his tiny little hands grasping Joseph's thumb. Not long from now, we're going to see see those same hands caressing the faces of the hurting, clawing the ground of Gethsemane and being nailed to that wood. We see baby Jesus taking his first steps. But you know that those steps are eventually going to lead to the cross. When we see Jesus, we see someone 
who would rather die than live without us. And now, now we know exactly who God is. Later in his gospel, John writes, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now when it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that word has the sense of he pitched his tent among us or he pitched his tabernacle among us. Which is very interesting because the Old Testament tabernacle was the place where God was present with his people. The temple was where God came to earth. Now heaven and earth are not two separate spheres, they actually overlap. So the temple is where heaven and earth meet. It would look like this. So events like sacrifices and dedications and naming of infants and worship took place at the temple because the temple was the place where heaven invades earth. And when heaven invades earth, things happen. Sins get forgiven. Nobodies become somebodies. Outcasts enter a relationship with God. Human beings are given divine purpose. So the temple gave people a glimpse of what it might be like when heaven invades earth so that their hope would be kept alive. Then Jesus came. As an infant, he was presented at that temple. When he was 12, he came back and called it his father's house. Later on, he started saying some shocking things. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus was talking and acting as if the whole purpose of the temple was to point to him. Jesus was talking as if everything that that temple pictured was coming true now that he was here. Jesus was claiming that in him, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, that heaven had now invaded earth. And what happens when heaven invades earth? Sins get forgiven. Nobodies become somebodies. Outcasts enter a relationship with God. The poor in spirit become blessed. Human beings are given divine purpose. Grace and truth come to life. Light shines in darkness. We know who to pray to. And questions about eternity get answered. Friends, heaven is now overlapping earth. And anyone is welcome to come in, so come in. Believe in Jesus. Because when you do, heaven starts invading earth through you. You see, the Apostle Paul said that you yourselves are God's temple. You yourselves are God's temple. Jesus was starting something new here. 
He was making it possible for heaven to invade earth through ordinary human beings like you and me. Because God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, when you volunteer to help out, when you volunteer to help a a left-behind child learn to read, or to help someone out who's in some serious trouble, or to uh, confess a grudge and seek to forgive, or to... um, to be generous with your money and then actually do it. Or to, to just look a person in the eye and, and love them. Or to cross ethnic boundaries in love. Or to show compassion to an infant. Or to uh, stand up for the rights of a vulnerable woman. Or, or to treat an overlooked nobody with dignity. Or to hold on to the hope of life in the face of death you become a place where heaven invades earth. All because in Jesus, God became man. Light shines in darkness. Sins get forgiven. God has given forgiveness to us, the sinful. God has given hope to the hopeless. All because heaven invades earth. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Keep our hearts and minds through faith in Jesus. Amen.